So Olivia, we have a focus on the podcast this week. How are you at networking? I don't have a Scooby. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, I know everyone uses that word and talks about networking and say how important it is but what does it mean I don't know what it means and how are you meant to do it like I have no qualms about going up to someone and starting a conversation with them well I'd hope not you want to be a tv presenter so (laughs) but what do you say when you're trying to network and with someone you don't know as well like so awkward like imagine going up to a group of people and being like hi I'm Olivia I know you have no idea who I am um, and why should you and why should you care about what I'm doing in my life but um, I'm just going to join this conversation um, because I want something out of you like it just seems really mean <laughs> I know and you have to do it in a way that doesn't seem like you're just trying to get something out of the situation like a favor or a job but it is a word that comes up a lot in every career not just the media so hopefully yeah. we'll have our questions answered on the podcast this week i hope so i wonder if i'm doing it without realizing because i feel like i've convinced myself that networking is just like having a chat and like socializing and i don't know if that's because i don't want to face the truth of what networking actually is if it does require work hi i'm olivia wilson and i'm rachel O'Neill. And this is Media Rookies, a podcast that aims to ask all of the media questions you're dying to know the answers to. On the podcast this week, we're joined by Stephanie Sword-Williams, who is the author of an amazing and very inspiring book, Fuck Being Humble, which was described as the 2020 Career Bible. Before I got into the media industry and went into broadcasting etc I honestly didn't have the first clue about networking so in terms of even knowing like hearing that word and knowing what it meant I didn't have the foggiest idea so for people who might have heard it kind of on you know on the grapevine and 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 heard it kind of thrown into discourse what is fundamentally what is networking and what is the difference between networking and kind of making friends and having a conversation with people that you might meet So for me personally, I feel that networking is relationship building. And I actually don't think there's a huge difference to making a friend. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. There's a lot of people that feel really scared of networking. They think they hate it. They think they won't be good at it. They get really nervous about chats where they don't know where it's leading or what the outcome is going to be or whether they'll say something stupid. But one of the best things I ever read was, um, it was Robert Poyton wrote the book, Do Improvise. And he does the Do book series. There's lots of different um, books within that. And he talks about the fact that every conversation we ever have is improvised. So it doesn't matter if it's a friendship, it doesn't matter if it's talking to your parents or if it's a complete stranger you've never met, every conversation, you actually never know what's coming. We don't, I don't know what you're gonna ask me. I don't know what my boyfriend's gonna say when he gets home. And actually for anybody who like is a bit nervous about networking or anything like that, I think it's really important to look at networking as just a conversation as a form of relationship building that can hopefully lead to something beneficial for both parties, but it doesn't have to be this scary, daunting situation. It can absolutely just be a talk or a chat with someone in the pub or on a plane or down near Tesco's, wherever you meet people, for me, I, I think every day you network. And, and also networking is as simple as sliding into someone's DMs. So again, <laughs> it doesn't have to be intimidating things. So 
I, I think it's literally just opening up the conversation with someone that you are inspired by or want to connect with. And is self-promotion kind of something you should include when you're trying to network or is it more about building your relationships first of all? It really depends on what your goals are with networking. And every time, so I run a workshop on networking because I think it is so fundamental to building your career and growing your reputation. And one of the things that I explain is that although you might just go to networking situations or networking events and just stumble across someone and meet them and, and it's just a nice evening, if you want to get the most from networking, you need to have a strategy and you need to have a game plan. And it is about asking yourself, what, what am I trying to get from this situation? Is it somebody to sign up to my newsletter? Is it new followers? Am I trying to get someone's email or a business card? And having that in mind and doing research before you go into the room is a really good way for you to prepare so that when you are in the room, you're either ready to self-promote if it feels right and it feels natural to do, but for one of the things that I, I explain to lots of people that attend my events are actually one of the best things you can do is just ask loads of questions. So rather than bolting into a room and self-promoting and, and immediately giving your sales pitch, one of the best techniques is to just ask lots and lots of questions. The reason being is you find out loads of information about the person you're speaking to and you end up then really personally crafting your pitch back to them as opposed to just bolting into a room and saying here's why I'm so fabulous and here's why you should work with me which I, do, I don't really ever encourage so for me I would always really really advise that the more questions you ask someone the more information you're gathering about them and the same way that it would be with a friend when, when you first meet someone you ask lots of questions in order to see if you've got shared values or common interests and the same goes when it's a complete stranger and it's in a professional situation. The more you can find to bond with, the easier it will be to begin that relationship. People love um, kind of talking about themselves. So I know that if you ask someone a question, they usually remember you more fondly. I don't know if this is true, but apparently this is the psychology of it. They remember you more fondly because you know, people like to talk about themselves. They're familiar with themselves. It's a kind of area they're comfortable in. Uh, I know it makes them feel better. So I've, so I've heard is that. Yeah. And also to build on that point, if you ask someone lots of questions, there is actually a psychology behind it where the person you've asked all those questions will eventually catch on that they've been talking about themselves the past 20 minutes. And actually they should probably ask you a question back and, and then they'll feel like, oh, actually they need to listen to you. So the tactic of just asking loads of questions, it's never going to go badly because all it's going to do is, is help build your knowledge on the person and ultimately get to the point where that person feels like they should listen to you because you've been really respectful and, and interested in them. And how do you spark that conversation with someone that you don't know? Do you just say like, do you want to go for a coffee? I always feel like so awkward asking someone that I've never met before over email, like, do you want to go to the canteen and have a chat? So how like is the best way to approach that? One of the things I would advise against is um, suggesting a virtual coffee. Cause I had that recently and I was like, yeah, it was like, oh, we should, and, and I, if that person who said it is listening, I'm, I'm not slating it. I just, it, that, that is exactly that feeling of like, cliche it's just a bit cheesy and that's not really something people connect with so I think when it comes to asking someone if it's in person I mean I, I've got a really good friend and I mean lots of my connections have come from networking both in person and digitally 
And I've got a really good friend who I, I met him by bouncing up to him and three colleagues at a networking event and just being like, hi, I'm here to network. And I'm kind of like not leaving the room until I meet people. So I just thought I'd start talking to you. And it, he immediately laughed. He's from the north um, of England as well. And we got on really well. And out of that has been a, like a two, three year friendship, which is kind of mad. He reminded me the other day and I was like, oh, that's actually quite embarrassing. But I'm really glad that I met him. And, and so I think there's that sort of tactic. But I think there's also, you know, it's once you've listened to those those questions that you've asked, it is about taking the, the time to go to not feel worried and actually just put yourself out there and say, look, I've really enjoyed lis like listening to, to your opinions or your thoughts today. And I'd really love to see how we might be able to collaborate in the future or how we might be able to um, help one another moving forward. Like we should grab a coffee sometime. So it can literally be as simple as that. I think if you're messaging someone digitally, again, one of the simplest ways to make people feel they should connect with you is by highlighting either something they're missing that they might that you might be able to offer them or the ways that you can help benefit them because it's really hard to say no to either of those those approaches so i always say to people try and give them so many options that they can't say no to you because <laughs> at some point they're going to be like okay fine I'll, I, I will i'll take your email address or fine i'll sign up to your newsletter so having i call them mini milestones which are small steps that help you reach your big goal so to give you an example if i was trying to generate new clients or a new piece of business i would absolutely never walk into the room and be like so i'm looking to uh, work with new clients uh, so if you if you want to hire me as a coach or as a public speaker then book me because that's not how that exchange works so a mini milestone for me would just be purely getting their email or purely adding them on LinkedIn or saying, could I send you my speaker pack so that you can learn more about me? So it's thinking about those little steps and I'm offering them as options so that people can engage with you or you can start building that relationship. And if you have multiple mini milestones, then that's a really uh, useful way, as I said, for if they say no at the first one or two, you've, you've got more up your sleeve to, to present back to them. The point you made about video chats, just because I've found this in the time of the pandemic, because you can't meet up with anyone. So how do you, if you know, a coffee date might not be on the cards? Because I have been told to say like, do a virtual meetup, but now you're saying don't do that. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, just, I just don't like the virtual coffee. Because yeah. that's like weird. Drinking the coffee in front of them. <laughs> that, that's, that's a bit odd. But no, absolutely. Like I, I say to a lot of people, uh, like I'd really love the work you're doing and I'd love to set up um, a virtual meeting over the next two to three weeks if you've got availability. Just being very direct. And I think a really good way to secure that to happen also is by stating specifically what you're asking for from them and how much time it will take them. Because for a lot of people, it's like, well, is this worth it with me? How long are they going to need of my time? What am I gaining? What are they gaining? So if you can be really specific on how long it will take, what's expected of them, what you're hoping to gain from them or how you're going to help them in return and, and indicate dates or timings or if, you know, if it's a budget related thing, specify that. So there's, there's just very simple things that you can do to make that first ask less awkward and, and less like you're asking for a really big thing if you just actually 
include what it is that you you need from them because like anyone if 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 somebody stopped you in the middle of the street and said do you want to go for a coffee you'd be like sorry what like you <laughs> that's how i feel <laughs> it's exactly the same though over virtually and, and in person it's like giving the detail if that person said do you want to go for a coffee because i read your book and i really loved it and i think i could book you for future talks i'd be more enticed to to connect with them i hope that makes sense but yeah. it is just the more detail you can give someone and the more of a brief essentially the more likely they are to commit to it or maybe tell you what they are able to commit to how do you make sure you don't come across looking disingenuous because obviously as you say you don't want to go up to someone and say hi i'm looking for in your example is you know, new clients please be my new client but equally how do you come across you know trying to network without i mean i suppose it's that that elephant in the room we both you know we both know why we're there and what we're doing but neither of us really said it it's about that unsaid narrative and, and how do you kind of navigate that it seems like a fine line to tread between coming across perhaps disingenuous but also trying to be polite I think it's really hard for us Brits, particularly because we struggle with networking and we're petrified of self-promotion. I think the question you have to ask yourself with how do you not come across as, you know, you're, you're faking it or you've, you've got some hidden agenda is what's the value add that you bring? What is it that you help people with? So if, for example, let's take foot being humble and my journeys, if my goal is to um, ultimately help empower people and support them, a lot of my conversations around that evening would be around that. And it would be me dropping insights or pearls of wisdom around that topic of imposter syndrome or confidence building in which they're starting to learn more about me and, and gauge who I am as an individual, how I help people. I can talk about my journey and my process, but I might not say book me immediately because I haven't built that respect and that, that trust. So I think it is, it's about almost just showing elements of, of the process that maybe you do or the service that you offer, talking about some case studies or things that you've done, just not directly going in with that heavy sales approach immediately. And I always give the, the example of when you use, I, I talk about the sales funnel. So a sales funnel is when you're thinking about ways to get people into your funnel and, and networking is a way of doing it. And I make the, the comparison between that and a dating app. So if you take something like Bumble or Tinder, when you match with someone, you don't ask them to marry you straight away because that would be mental. Although, although I have tried before, but um, you don't do that because it's not, a, it's not how you build a relationship. And the same ways that you build relationships on dating apps, which is first of all, matching with them, getting on their awareness, them even knowing you exist. Then the second phase of a sales funnel is the consideration side. And that consideration side is messaging, isn't it? It's getting to know one another, it's potentially dating or, or you know, finding out things about each other. And, and the same goes with networking is, maybe I meet you in a, in a room of, really amazing people at a conference, the next stage is, is messaging each other and finding out more about each other. And then that, that third stage is the conversion, which after we've built that relationship, I'm able to then pitch myself to you, um, whether that is marriage or to generate new, <laughs> new clients or work. So I think it is really looking at it as a staged approach and not just thinking, I'm going to go in and I'm going to sell tonight because that, that isn't how I personally think it's a successful approach. I think it is more, I've always been really interested in relationship building. And I think the people that build relationships are the ones that 
the ones that focus on building the relationships are the ones that come across as more genuine. And often that might mean that, um, you know, you help out the person you've met with no, you know, no aspect of this is going to help me immediately or, or even at all. You know, there's been times when I've been asked to speak on a panel and I've not been available and I've said, I'm not available, but here are five other people, amazing women that I think you should connect with over to you. Now that wasn't, helping me in any way shape or form but it was helping my network and those people that were then asked to do it contacted me and said thank you so much and that's just me building my relationship with them because i i care about them and i value them hopefully they might swing that back to me one day but it's it's doing things without the expectancy that it will come back and I, it's very much like a friendship you know you, yeah, you don't buy a friend dinner expecting you're going to get it back every time it, it is it it doesn't, it doesn't have to be as hard as it, as it sounds because you should just treat it like any new friendship or relationship that you really care about. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask about your book. I love the title of it, Fuck Being Humble. Uh, what was the inspiration behind that? And like, where did the idea come about? So it's, I mean, we're talking about networking today, which is a great tea into it. But when I first moved to London, I joined a startup and I was working I took on two titles of a senior account manager and a new business manager. I'd never really worked in new business development. It was my first time of going out there and trying to get clients and, and generate business, which I thought would be easy as somebody who classes themselves as an extrovert. I was going to these industry events, doing it all the wrong way, but and just not, not doing too well at it. As I went through over a couple of years, I got much better at it. But because I went to so many networking events, I went like three to four times a week, wow. loads of different types of events, panel events, you know, book events, like loads of different uh, formats and, and spaces. But very often I was just seeing very similar panels, usually male, usually over the age of 40, 50, running their own businesses usually quite middle-class and, and didn't really see the representation of gender, of, of ethnicity, of backgrounds, just, just of journeys really. Like there was a lack of diversity in, in learning and, and in knowledge really, I'd say. And simultaneously I was going to really cool events in like East London and, and cool pop-ups and seeing really cool illustrators and people who were running three side hustles and, and all these amazing people that I knew were doing great jobs but they weren't getting to those big industry events so for me personally I could see there was a problem with the way that events were being hosted and created but I also could see there was a problem maybe that the talent rising and coming up didn't necessarily know the importance of self-promotion or know how to do it effectively to get on those stages and I said to myself rather than wait for me to get invited or those people to get invited i'm going to create my own stage i'm going to run my own community events and i'm going to spotlight the people that deserve spotlighting and that's sort of where foot being humble was born from because the insight is i think we are so humble we miss out on opportunities and particularly in the uk but also the areas around the world you're rewarded for being humble and modest and i actually don't think that's an effective way to get yourself seen and so, yeah, it, it was always meant to just be like community events. And, and I just, I wanted to turn networking on its head. And when you come to my networking events, there's like a DJ playing nineties and noughties R&B and hip hop and Aperol Spritz are sponsoring. I love that now. 
you know, it, it's a party. It's like a fun night out and you learn and you network and it's not awkward. And you stand up and pitch yourself in front of a room of a hundred people. And my goal was to completely flip networking on its head and change what it means to self promote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within a few months I was, I was approached about writing a book and wasn't particularly sure I was capable of doing it and um, politely refused. And then, uh, following a few months of, of being humble, growing and, and really doing well with the events, I, I rung up the agents and said, okay, if suppose I entertain this idea, where do I even have to start? And um, yeah, I, I wrote, wrote the book last year and it came out this year in September, 2020. Oh, that's brilliant. Why do you think women are so bad at self-promoting? Because I mean, I found that, like I'm awful at it. And I remember I was at a job interview and like all the men going for the job were so confident and relaxed and I felt all the women were like so not confident and nervous and thinking I can't do this so why do you think that is there's absolutely there's loads of reasons so it can go right back to history where it's like men are hunter-gatherers women are like the carers and you know for years what we've been stay at home wives and you know mothers that don't necessarily you know we oh, should we even be going out there and making money and the very fact that you're an entrepreneur as a female is 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 a big thing and there's so there's so many societal things where i don't think we've outgrown some of the expectations and limitations that women have faced but then i also think it, it's as much as role models there's a severe lack of role models of, of females at the top but also as i said just like not even females at the top just rising females that are under the age of 30 and absolutely killing it and that's why in my book i interview eight different women who are running side hustles and, and they're not mds they're they're just really inspiring people that we should be learning from. And you don't need to have 20 or 30 years experience before you think you're amazing, which unfortunately is what happens for women is that we very often don't feel confident in something unless we're competent or we're perfect in it. And I live a very blag now, worry later, just give it a go, see how it goes, it'll be fine. And I kind of, I'm trying to instill a bit more of that mindset into many of the women that I meet because it is a real issue. And imposter syndrome is, is a really a big, big, big issue amongst women all over the world. And one of the first questions I get asked is how do you battle imposter syndrome? How do I, how do I push through this? How do, how do I show people what I think of myself without getting criticized and all these things. And, and I think, it, you know, we're also scared of, of what other people will say. And that's usually one of the biggest things is women are affected differently. I had a situation where I posted a photo of myself with my book the first time I'd got it at the physical copy and somebody who was a man messaged me saying, how smug do you look in this? And I just, kind of went back to him I was like I'm intrigued to know whether you'd say that to a man because I don't think he would have done and and I you know he played it off as being a joke but there's something in that there's something that that women aren't allowed to show a success in the same way that men are without having some sort of commentary on it but I suppose that's why it's really important for me as a female entrepreneur and author and side hustler and business owner to push through and and vocalize these things so that yes people can say that 
yes, you might get bad press. Yes, people might comment on it, but still here standing and it's absolutely fine. And that's one opinion out of the 20,000 followers that I've grown on, on Instagram organically. You know, there's a, there's a whole tribe of people that need this support and need my advice. And they're the people I want to listen to and the people that I want to give my time to and support. And that's sort of one of the things that I, I wish more women looked at was you're always going to get critics you absolutely are but it's about listening to the ones that are important versus people who just feel they need to have an opinion i think as well uh, what you were saying before about people you know you have kind of adopted this idea of you know i'll blag now worry later and i think particularly as women i don't want to be too much of a generalization but you know sometimes you can look around the room whatever job you're in and you think and you think you have this idea of what you know, skills or what kind of person you have to be to have a certain role, particularly if it's very high ranking. And you might see the person in said role and be like, well, actually, I could maybe, you know, one day I could do that. And I think it does take people by surprise. And I do wonder if we were a bit more, you know, ballsy and had a bit more faith in ourselves, you know, is it, is it, is it in some ways us that's stopping us? You know, is it that inner voice that is actually stopping us from, you know, doing great things? Are we our own worst enemies in some respects? I think there is an element of that, but I think if we weren't criticised publicly, there would be less of a fear around that. So it's it's a bit of a it's an ongoing issue. Yeah, yeah. You kind of you're you're always going to have a critic inside you. And I actually I did a TEDx talk in the summer and. I wrote an article recently about why I hate it and I, I'm not proud of it. And I, I, I actually was worried about sharing it because I didn't want to be critiqued on that alone. And what I wrote about was the fact that not everything you do can be perfect. Not every, not all of your work is going to be amazing, but you shouldn't let that be any less of an achievement. And I think very often what women do is they set such high standards for themselves because of, you know the fear that they're going to get criticized and that often means that we downplay our achievements or, or maybe we don't speak up when we when we should and I suppose again I, I just want to be one of those people that is here to say that it's okay that not everything's going to be amazing and not everything will be your best thing and, and someone once said to me if you don't look back on your work and think it's rubbish a year later then you're not growing and that's something that I really like because it helps you to not constantly be your own critic and actually go, no, this is a part of growth. And if I'm not doing this, then how will I ever know if I'm improving? Mm, that's a really good way to look at it. I suppose it's looking at things through a lens of not critiquing, but reevaluating and reassessing. And yeah, as you say, growing. Um, I do have a question as well in terms of um, if you're in a junior position and you're trying to approach, say, a senior management or a senior to, to, to network in these kinds of ways and have these conversations but you've got that kind of um inner voice that's stopping you and you feel like you actually don't have a lot to offer or what could you possibly offer this senior person how do you approach these conversations and how do you think you know what's what would be the mindset of someone who is in that position of power who you know might be having these kind of networking conversations with junior uh people on any in any kind of industry I mean what what would your kind of advice and approach be there for the junior speaking to the to the senior yeah so I when I used to go to networking events I used to 
because I had a very planned strategy on what I was there for, I was, it was there to generate business. And I used to look around the room and be like, right, who is the most important person in here? And as somebody that doesn't mind talking to people and, and not very intimidate, intimidated by situations, I just bolt up to them and, and talk to them. But one of the things that I learned was, well, a few things that I learned. First of all, speak to anyone and everyone in a room. Don't always speak to the like the most senior people. Firstly, because the more junior or mid-level, the more time they're going to give you, they're more likely to try and actually set up a meeting or try and help you meet the right person versus someone who's super senior and really, really busy. So that would be one piece of advice is don't always assume that the biggest and most important person in the room is going to be the one that helps you the most actually spread yourself, you know, across all the people and, and see how you can connect with them and chat with them. And then I just think, look, there's 7.5 billion people in the billion million people in the world. And if it goes wrong, you don't have to see them again, ever, you know, you, you will most likely never see them and there'll be a whole other load of people that you can go embarrass yourself to instead and that'll be it and nobody will be talking about you it won't be the worst thing that's ever happened in your life and the more you can get your head into that the better i i talk about it at my networking event where i went to um, an international design festival and the creative head of google was speaking and i was absolutely mesmerized by him and i was like i'm fascinated by everything you've talked about like I would just love you to be my mentor. And he just looked at me like shocked, like who is this person that I've never met before? And she's just got to us. And he's like, sure. But ultimately like, what was he going to say? No. And then I was like, okay, no worries. I'll see you later. But he was like, sure. Take my business card. And then two weeks later, I was in Google head office in London chatting to the creative head of Google. And that was like, you know, it was a 15 minute chat and it wasn't a very long lived mentoring relationship I only met him once but it is proof that like if you it, for me I'm a big believer if you don't ask you don't get and a lot of us sit around bitterly resenting other people and wishing they'd have opportunities but a lot of the time you have to ask for them they don't just land on people's laps and that is one of the most important things I say when you go to networking events is like you either ask in that moment or you miss out and you will kick yourself the rest of your life so just get on with it and just suck it up and, and, and care less really. And ultimately remember like you either sit at home on the sofa watching Love Island or whatever's on TV, or you have plucked up the courage to go to this networking event and you need to make the most of it whilst you're there. So just do it. And how do you make like that much of an impact? Say if you're not in an actual event or if you're like across the borders from someone you want to network with, like how do you make like an impact like that? So I would always encourage people to try and get on some sort of a Zoom call or a virtual call of some sorts, because ultimately people buy people and it's going to be the best way to secure whatever it is you're looking for. So that would be my advice is just try and get some sort of like interaction because it can be really hard when you're chasing emails you've never met. You don't know if it's worth it for either sides. So that would be one example. I think if you really want something, like I've been talking to a lot of students recently, like how do, how do I stand out when I've not got experience? How do, I, how do I make them remember me? And if you really want something like a job at Depop, for example, and you really want to try and get on a call with this person, then make a short proposal on how Depop could turn their 
amazing network that they've created into an even bigger network in 2021 or you know think of some create something extra surprise them give them an insight into your world if if you really want to have someone as a client then do a bit of a perspective pitch and look at their social media and say, I think you're doing this great, but if we work together, here are 10 different things that I could help you with and that could increase your revenue or following by this percent. Like, don't be afraid to actually go that extra mile to give a bit of, you know, insight or value. A lot like we talked about, as you would in person, you've just got to do a bit of harder work and potentially put a bit more effort into building that relationship before it's begun. And I think you've got to remember that at the moment there are everybody getting so many emails, there are so many DMs and messages and, and ultimately it's, it is up to you to think about, okay, if I really want this opportunity, what are the best ways I can demonstrate my skills and my value to this person? What advice, just before we let you go, what advice would you give to your kind of former self? I always say, and I think I've managed to not get too trapped by this but don't let labels limit you and specifically for this podcast and this conversation that we're having around networking is I see it time and time again where introverts come to me and they say I'm an introvert I can't network and I'm like one who gave you that label was it you or was it somebody in passing when you were 15 and you've stuck with it for the past 10 years two you need to understand the difference between an introvert and an extrovert they're very different things it doesn't mean that one is better at networking one buzzes off networking one is more tired from networking that doesn't mean that you can't do it it doesn't mean you can't get good at it and I think very often we let the labels that we were given throughout childhood, school, and in the workplace define whether we are able to do something. And that's really, really bad. I have it when I was growing up, I was always told I was the creative one, which massively kind of, I struggle with personally of like, when I've written a book, I'm like, is that an intellectual thing? Because I've written a book or am I still classed as the creative one? And it can be really debilitating you holding on to those labels and, and you need to let yourself go because ultimately we change so regularly and we change so often. So please just don't let a label that either your parents gave you when you were like 10 or your first boss said to you in your first ever job or even your current boss or clients have made a comment like please don't let that be the reason that you don't put yourself out there and you don't live with a fuck being humble mindset because Ultimately, they are just words from other people. It does not define you and it absolutely shouldn't stop you from experimenting or trying things that, that could absolutely change your life. Absolutely. I think that's such a, that's a great note to end on. What do you think, Rachel? I know. I felt like I should be taking notes, but I'm like, we've got it on recording. It's fine. <laughs> notes as well. I, it's stuck in my head. I'm going to like run, run off and start, you know, arranging all these kind of coffee dates and building. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Stay updated on our social media pages. Just search Media Rookies on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was an original creation by Rachel O'Neill and Olivia Wilson. With special thanks to Olivia Akis, who created the artwork for this podcast.